there it is first smash burger on the new Blackstone grill let's do another one spatula barbecue hack And just like that, there we are. Welcome to the Al's Nest Barbecue Show Thursday night here in Ottawa, Tennessee. Thank you so much, everybody, for joining us. Big, big show tonight. We've got Harry Sue coming in from Diamond Bar, California. In just a moment, I want to welcome you back again to the Al's Nest Barbecue Show. I'm Steve Ray, your barbecue correspondent, and it's time to talk some barbecue. The show is brought to you by Michelin Tires from the Michelin Defender LTX to the Michelin MX V4. Michelin Tires have a tire for your car, truck, or SUV. Don't let your family ride on just any old tire. Buy Michelin Tires. We're also brought to you by Butcher Barbecue Products, available nationwide, online, and in brick-and-mortar stores. Butcher Barbecue Products will put you in the winter circle at your competition and in your backyard. Trust your butcher, David Bosco. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Just look for the Owl's Nest Barbecue logo. Also, all the shows that you see are on podcast now. Simply go to Spotify, type in on the search bar, Owl's Nest Barbecue, and voila, there they are. All the shows on podcast, just like this one will be. Jeff Maxwell is back at his house monitoring the chat, hopefully welcoming everybody. Thank you, Jeff, so much. And, of course, as always... Our broadcast partner is Backyard Smokers Barbecue Facebook page right here on Facebook. Wes Phillips and all the good folks at Backyard Smokers Barbecue having a watch party for us and promoting the Owl's Nest Barbecue Show. And we thank them so very much. All right, let's get this party started. Let's get this party started right now. So there he is. Ladies and gentlemen, Harry Sue. Harry, how are you? How goes it? Do I sound okay? Man, you sound great. You look great. Okay. You, you've got great right. light. No, no, I've got this um I've got this great introduction for you. I want you to hear it. 
born in Penang, Malaysia in 1959. You know, you and I are the exact same age. We are old dogs. That's right. The former Boeing 747 pilot for Singapore Airlines moved to the United States in the 1980s and attended Texas Tech University. He holds two graduate degrees and lives in Diamond Bar, California. Harry has been competing since 2008 on the barbecue contest circuit and has approximately 30 grand championships to his credit. He was the Hawaii and Arizona State barbecue champion and one of the elite barbecue teams to sweep. And I mean sweep. Now, Harry, we were talking about this the other day with some friends. I wondered if anybody had ever come in first place in all four categories in a barbecue contest. And it was you in 2009. Uh, yeah, KCBS actually had to spend about a month researching it because yeah. uh, they, they didn't ever think that it could be done. But hey, you know, by sheer luck, uh, it happened that day. Well, it is so weird that we're talking about it because we wondered aloud about it if anybody had ever done it. We did a little research, didn't find anybody, and then it was you who found out today. And that's, that's, an, that's a lifetime accomplishment right there. Harry's one of the premier barbecue instructors in the country. Just don't ask Mike Davis. And he is America's barbecue ambassador. My friends, I give to you Harry Sue from Diamond Bar, California. How are you, man? Being wonderful today. How are you? Oh, it's great. Been a great day here in Tennessee. Uh, looking for a better weekend. We're finally getting some uh, warm weather. Some 80s expected tomorrow, Saturday, and Sunday. I guess we're, we're going to kind of have the weather that you guys are used to out on the uh, left coast. You know, Harry, you've enjoyed several years of popularity and notoriety. And um, before the success uh, goes, the hard work. How did you get from an introduction to barbecue to a rookie at barbecue team to Harry Sue barbecue and live fire expert and ambassador? Uh, it's, uh, you know, totally by accident. I, I shouldn't be here sitting talking to you about barbecue, but, you know, I, I arrived in America about 40 years ago and uh, I had my first seminal taste of brisket in Lubbock, Texas. Mm -hmm. and, uh, I fell in love with American barbecue. I spent many decades trying to cook barbecue and I cooked it for my friends and family at home. I never imagined that the food was any good until the movie The Bucket List with Morgan Freeman and Jack Nicholson. Yeah. So one of my co-workers uh, assembled uh, all of us uh, to do a bucket list at work and uh, somebody wrote me a stretch goal to cook a contest. So I am a totally quack. I am a total accidental pit master. I have no business cooking barbecue, but I was uh, put on a dare by my co-workers to cook a contest. So I say, fine, what can I do? I'll just go cook one contest and get my co-workers off my back. And uh, I showed them the application form mm -hmm. and I called my team the bucket list because it will be a one-time throwaway name. They said that let's come up with a fun name for your team. And I told them, you know, I really don't care because any name is fine. I'm just going to use it one time, get you guys off my back. So they said that in the South, you know, when you eat something you really, really like, it is so good that you want to go slap somebody. So since I'm a daddy, they said, why don't you call it Slap Your Daddy? So my first reaction was, daddy is a stupid name. Who wants to be Slap Your Daddy? But to humor my coworkers and knowing that I would never use the name again, I went and entered my very first contest. And lo and behold, I won first in chicken and uh, I won the contest. So uh, I'm a total accidental pit master and uh, it's been a great journey for about uh, 12 years now. I've been doing this professionally, going around the world, cooking barbecue, and most importantly, spreading 
some barbecue love. When you did that first contest and, and you and you won, which is, it, you know, it's very unusual that you even win a contest your first time out. And I don't, and I don't care if it's a KCBS or the local Ruritan Rotary rib cook-off. Did did that make you feel differently about it then? Did you did you get like a something in your in your heart that said, "Hey, I really enjoyed that." Uh, you know, it, I always tell people that if you win an award in your first contest, be very careful because it's like a drug. Uh, <laughs> winning mm-hmm. is kind of like a gateway drug. Once you get that adrenaline rush, uh, you you definitely the one to enjoy again. I in those days, I I had no idea what I was doing. I, I bought the whoever uh, Smoky Mountain from Amazon. It arrived on Wednesday. I, I packed half my kitchen in my minivan. And I drove out to the contest with really not knowing what to expect. A lot of my neighbors and friends uh, that I met for the very first time at the contest actually helped me out. So they felt sorry for the rookie guy who showed up with everything, including the kitchen sink from his home. He obviously has no idea what he's doing. And uh, after that day, uh, you know, everybody kind of looked at me and said, is he a carpetbagger? Does he really not know how to cook? And, And I have to admit to you and to all the viewers, I really had no idea what I was doing, but, uh, you know, I just got lucky that day. So, uh, you know, you, they can say that uh, uh, sometimes in life, the, the best things happen by accident. Well, so, some of them do, but, you know, you're known for cooking on simple vessels, the, the Weber Smoky Mountain. And you made it so famous in your appearance, especially in season one of Barbecue Pitmasters, when you won the season-ending um, rib cook-off at a... Johnny Triggs uh, plantation or wherever that was at uh, kind of a surprise winner. I, I guess everybody would have said, and, and you always were cooking on the Weber. I know in the episodes of Pitmasters, Harry, you know, you had the blankets around them. You had the uh, control devices on it, but it was the nor probably. And I think you'll probably agree. The simplest vessel to cook on is the Weber Smoky Mountain cooker. Don't you think? Yes, there's many cookers uh, out there, and uh, you can have a cooker from $149 for a Weber kettle all the way to a 50000 custom rig. So I always tell people it, it is always about the pit master. It's never about the pit or the meat. So if you know what you're doing, you understand some of the fundamentals of low and slow style barbecue, you should be able to get great results with a shovel, a hole in the ground, some wood and meat, and some chicken wire. So I, I've been kind of on this journey the past 12 years to try to, to demystify barbecue, break it down into simple, understandable components that people can relate to, and so that they can become backyard heroes in their home, their families. And if you are a competitor, uh, be a successful competitor and win some grand championship. If you're a caterer or restaurant owner, you can take some of these tricks and apply in your restaurants. You know, here you're, you're known for cooking on the simple vessel but your your rubs and spices and your program for for prepping meat is known historically as complicated. Uh, it contains many many spices, many many uh, different things in your rubs. When when did you pair the the complication of the way you prep meat and the simplicity of the way you cook meat? When do you feel like you finally paired those two? and kind of reach the uh, pinnacle of, 
of the uh, Slap Your Daddy barbecue team success? Well, I don't have any formal training, so I am a total quack. So I, I don't have a culinary degree. I, I haven't gone to school to cook barbecue. I, I cook barbecue kind of like an MMA fighter. If you are an MMA fighter, you use jiu-jitsu, you use taekwondo, you use kickboxing, you use uh, wrestling, whatever technique you can use to gain an advantage over your opponent is fair game. So I, I kind of approach barbecue the same way. I've had the pleasure and the honor of teaching many people over the years in excess of 200 plus classes around the world. I have actually trained a lot of uh, professional chefs and I always wonder what do they learn from me because a lot of the techniques I use are essentially techniques that I borrowed from various cultures in the world. I'm as comfortable using something like coconut sugar all the way to cooking with molasses, all the way to cooking with a spice from Ethiopia. So I guess it's, it's kind of my MMA style of combining everything that eventually evolved my recipes. And uh, the most powerful tool that you can have in your barbecue toolkit is your imagination and your taste buds. Cook something that you like for yourself and love what you cook. And if you're like me, take that flavor to a contest, serve it to 24 strangers and see what happens. And if you get a trophy at the end and a big fat check, then you know you are on the right track. If not, go back and rework your recipes. You know, you you know, like you mentioned, you've taught all over the world. Videos are are everywhere. Your uh, instruction videos, uh, YouTube. You've been on specials, uh, special DV, uh, DVDs about cooking. You you've just been everywhere. What would you rather now? Would you rather compete, or do you enjoy uh, the teaching part? And like you say, spreading barbecue love. Uh, in life, I think that uh, there has to be a process of uh, like constant uh, reinvention of yourself. Uh, I, I work in the IT world, so you know software, right? Software, you have version one, software, then version two, version three, version four, it gets better and better. So as I go through life, right, I, I'm going through different phases of like Harry 1.0, Harry 2.0, Harry 3.0. I am at a point in my life where I did the competition part. I, I won all the awards and uh, my garage is full of awards. Mm -hmm. So yeah. what else is there to win? I decided that uh, in life, you reach a point where you make a difference rather than make a living. Kind of make sense? Yep, when I first started cooking does. barbecue, I was out to win. But after having won and had so many wonderful experiences around the world, I realized that for Harry 2.0, Harry 2.0 really needs to begin to think about how I can make a difference. And, and I decided about two years ago that I would put a lot of effort into producing videos to pass on my knowledge to the world so that other folks out there can learn how to master barbecue. Because I found out that a lot of men, for some reason, whenever there's a party or there's an outdoor cook-off, the man is handed the tongue. And he said, it's through our Neanderthal DNA that we are supposed to know what to do with the thongs. Right. But a lot of men are very intimidated when they get handed the thongs and they handed some meat because they really don't know what to do. And so I thought, you know, let me, let me change that and show you some of the methods that I have used to demystify the science and the art of cooking American style barbecue. Because when I cooked my first brisket 40 years ago, after tasting it in Lubbock, Texas, the brisket was a total failure. So it's a, through a process of trial and error and many failures that I reached a point where I was satisfied with my barbecue. And I found out later, much, much later, that that barbecue resonated with the judges I served it to. 
I'm, I'm, you're going to have to bear with me on this one because I know you guys get tired of talking about your TV appearances. But that's how we know you, and that's how all the, 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 the thousands of people that are watching now know you. We, we met you on television, and, and you're such a friendly guy, an open guy. We felt like immediately like you, you, were, you were one of our buddies in, 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 in barbecue by just watching you on television. Of all the TV that you've done, Barbecue Pitmasters, Smoked, and, and others on the Food Network, what is, what's, your, the favorite, what's your favorite episode or your favorite time in front of the camera cooking in a, in a competition-type environment? Uh, it definitely has to be uh, Barbecue Pitmaster Season 1, where I had a chance to cook against uh, folks like Tuffy, barbecue legends like Myron, Johnny Trigg. So uh, that show actually was sort of a, a happenstance, and I'll, I'll tell you kind of a little backstory. Yeah. I, I was at a contest in Fairfield in Northern California, and then at about uh, you know 12, 30, 25, my, my cell phone rings. And I look at it and I say, who would call me at 12.25? I have five minutes before I get DQ in my rib entry in the KCBS contest. Mm -hmm. And so I picked up the phone and I say, hello, who is this? And he, the guy on the other end says, hi, my name is John and you don't know who I am, but I'm a TV producer and I'm interested to talk to you about putting you in a TV show. So the, my first instinct was, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I hung up on him because uh, I thought that he was one of my competitors pranking me to get me disqualified uh -huh. during the contest. So... On the drive back from Northern California to Southern California on Sunday, I uh, told my partner, Mark, hey, Mark, I, I thought I had a dream yesterday in the middle of the contest. Some guy called me and said he's a TV producer. So I, at that point in time, I was just a regular competitor and cook. No connection at all with the movie industry or the TV industry. But I picked up my phone and I realized that there was a phone call. So I called that person back and we hit it off right away. John Marcus is a producer of uh, the uh, Pitmaster series, and he's also an Emmy producer of the Cosby Show and many other shows. So he told me that uh, he had seen me uh, around, and then he wanted to cast me on his show without any audition, no sight, no no tape, no nothing. Hmm. So, but long story short, we had a good conversation on Tuesday morning. A pile of paper that thick came from Discovery Channel. There was a contract. So I went back to my coworkers and said, "Look at what you guys got me into. You got me into this bucket list. Now some guy sent me a pile of paper." And they want me to sign my life away to appear on some TV show with some world champions. I am going to get my, the sand kicked in my face. What do I do? So my coworker said, Harry, sometimes in life when the road forks to the right, you just follow the fork and go for it. So I decided I'll sign up the contract. And then within about 10 days, we shot the first episode, Sight Unseen. And, and after I tell you the story, I'll tell you how the story came about. Because previously, I cooked a contest as Stagecoach, which is a very big music festival in California. I interact with many people from the public, and there was a lady that came up to me, and I had a conversation with her. I didn't even know who she was, but it was Carolyn Wells from KCBS. Yeah. So she yeah. met me in Coachella and then had a conversation with me, which I don't even know who she was. But later on, I did not know that she was a friend of John Marker. She told John about this crazy guy from California. He's cooking barbecue and he seems to be winning. And John, who spent two years finding the six teams to feature on his show that he carefully handpicked. He added the seventh team, the last minute, which was me, to watch the show. And when I ended up the show, I asked myself, what am I doing on this show with all these world champions? I'm just a lowly you know, cook from California. So I thought, okay, I understand. They just want me to the, be the kind of the fish out of water guy to feature on the show. 
And then I don't have a lot of sophisticated equipment. I don't have a big trailer. I don't have a big rig. I just show my minivan and, and out come these two smokers. Yeah. So that's how I started. And uh, during the season, uh, we made good friends. And I have just great memories of being on the road for three or four months on that show, making new friends and really getting into the blood, sweat and tears of competition barbecue. Well, you, you know, it's it, in... in... Uh, in, in the cooking world, it's, it's probably the greatest food. I'm just going to say the greatest food series ever put together. And, um, you know, every, everybody was sorry to see it end. The the way I'm going to have you get to bear with me one more time, because your your appearance on Smoked with Mike Davis, who I've, I've talked with about that episode right here on the Al's Nest Barbecue Show, was my favorite of that season. And I'm a barbecue television junkie. How much fun was meeting Mike Davis and competing with him in that format where it was just your team against his team on a, in a very an intimate um, location like that? Yeah, they uh, pit us as uh, two barbecue teachers battling it out. So mm -hmm. like a Dojo A versus Dojo B, wax on, wax off. And uh, Mike is a super nice guy and, uh, you know, one of the nicest pit masters you could ever possibly meet. Uh, we did the show and we, we did a cookout. Uh, I did it my way, he did it his way. Uh, at the end of the night, I, I had to acknowledge uh, what he called, uh, he edged me out that night. So, but I told him, uh, I, I, I'm seeking revenge and I'm going to challenge Mike to another throwdown if they ever invite us back for Smoked 2. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was, you had to say that he had the best cooking show. Some, something silly, but that was, but I, I just thought the, the dynamics of that show and, and the difference between you and and here in the southeast, Mike Davis. Well, nationally he's a legend, but here in the southeastern United States, he is. Uh, you know, he's Mike's off the chain in popularity, and and uh, I just thought it was, it was a very enjoyable show, and it was, it was one of my favorites. And that's going to be the last time I, I satisfy my <laughs> curiosity on this. Okay, now we're going to get to the reason that I that I contacted you after I saw your um, your YouTube episode on the whole hog. And uh, for those listening, if you want to go to YouTube, look up Slap Your Daddy Barbecue. Harry's uh, YouTube channel is is, is, is is incredible, the things he cooks. Um, I'm a big Weber fan like you. And, and like yourself, I've got, an L, I've got an EX6. But Harry, when I looked at mine, and when I was thinking about buying it, and, and, and since then, I have never once, or I never once thought about putting a whole hog in that ex6 now before we get into the the nuts and bolts and before i start showing the video because i want you to go over it with myself and our in our audience on how you did this because number one it was only a 10 minute video and i'm not counting the five minutes of the braised uh, pig's feet at the 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 next episode i'm just talking <laughs> about the about the uh the whole hog episode it was only 10 minutes and and it was one of those deals where I guess in the entertainment business, you say, always leave them wanting more. Well, I can't think of anything else that ever made me want more than that whole hog video because there was so much information, more information that I wanted. I've seen people do 25 minutes on cooking chicken wings on a gas grill. You know, <laughs> whoop-de-doo. And then you do a whole hog in an EX6, something that I guarantee has never been done before. And then you gave it 10 minutes and I thought, oh, I got I to gotta find out more about this. 
But where did that idea come from? Uh, actually, uh, it came from my viewers. Uh, you know, my viewers uh, asked me to do crazy things. Like yeah. I uh, will cook a brisket in crawfish boil. I will smoke fry a brisket. So I've done a lot of crazy things. And uh, you know me, right? I like big stuff. So for example, I like big briskets. I like big butts. I like big meats in my cooker. So I figured, hey, you know, the uh, smoke fire is 36 inches. So if I do the math, what is the biggest hog I can get in a 36 inch pit? And uh, I found the answer. It's uh, 47 inches. <laughs> so that was a genesis of a lot of my ideas. As you probably know, I'm a pretty crazy cook. I just like to play yeah. crazy things. And uh, cooking a hog was something I always wanted to do because I don't have enough room in my Southern California backyard for a big offset smoker. So I don't have like a half acre in my backyard. I can park all my barbecue equipment. Most of the homes in uh, Southern California are kind of post-stage sized uh, mm -hmm. backyards. So I could never fit a whole hog. That's why you see me cooking post oak on a WSM, like an offset. Yeah. You see me trying to stick a whole hog into a pellet cooker because uh, you know what I say, right? You know, you got to use the gear that you have and uh, throw, see what you can throw in it. Well, that was a, it was a 50 pound hog. And I'll tell you what, let's do. Let's get this thing started. And I'm going to let you, I'm going to, I'm going to do like a little, like a, a little start and stop kind of like a, a football skull session, okay, if you will, Harry. Sure. And uh, I want you to go through. I've got you superimposed up here, and you can go over it. All right, here's the, the first the first frame here is, Harry, you, you've got this 47-pound uh, hog piglet, if you, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, it's from Iowa, actually. It's a hog from Iowa. All right, let's get that thing started. Hang on just a second. Oops. Here we go. I've got the sound muted, of course. And uh, just kind of tell everyone what you're talking about as you're sitting on the table looking at that pig. Yeah, just setting up the uh, the shoot here and letting the people know what I'm doing, showing them that I'm doing a competition style with a hog injection, which I show on the video uh, I won an award with. And I show them a little bit about kind of like how you kind of prep a hog. There was a lot of footage about prepping the hog, but I, I decided that most people aren't that interested in the video. So I kind of cut it down to the bare minimum because obviously, you know, trying to take apart a hog, fabricating a hog, getting it ready for smoke fire involved cutting off uh, the legs and uh, splitting the sternum and mm -hmm. the breastbone, separating the hog so it sits properly. There's actually two ways to cook a hog. You can cook a hog face down or face up. I, yeah. I decided to cook it face up. And why did you decide that? Uh, I, I felt, felt it, it's easier to cook it uh, face up because uh, I like to preserve the tenderloin, preserve the meat on the ribs. I have a lot of my other friends who cook it the other way, face down, and uh, controlling the heat and not overcooking the tenderloin and the ribs is more of a challenge. This one is a super easy way. I mean, you saw how it was thrown on the pit. 11 hours later, I took it out, it's done. So. I'm trying to create recipes that uh, my viewers can execute. For example, you see me here putting the uh, the tray. One of the people things people don't realize is when you put a hog in a pit, getting it out of the pit is a tough thing, especially mm -hmm. after it's cooked because it tends to fall apart. So the whole idea behind the grate was to make sure that you could lift the cooked hog out of your pit. Here in this video, I'm showing you my uh, injection. Uh, in a competition, I would do the same thing, except I would add MSG, I would add sodium phosphate, I would add ionocyanate, I would add guanylates. But uh, besides that, uh, I try to make as as a natural as a uh, type of injection I could. Now because how much, this is kind of for home people. 
how much injection did you did you use on that pig? Uh, this is about probably I want to say six six cups of injection will fit a fifty pound hog. So mm. the the ballpark is kind of like one cup every ten pounds or so ish. There you are. Just uh, you're going yep. over the hams right back there. Yeah, 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 different parts of the hog. Yeah, there's and, a there's uh, a tenderloin. My favorite part, and I, I like the tenderloin. I try to tell people not to overcook the tenderloin because that's good eating. Yeah. But you you want to make sure the tenderloin is full of injection. That way it doesn't dry out too badly during the cook. A hog cook can be as low as ten hours. Cook can be as long as twenty hours, depending on the temperature you have. The smoke fire was really efficient because uh, it cooked the whole hog in about 10 hours because there's a fan blowing in a pellet cooker. Pellet cookers are really great cookers if you want to have a faster cook. If you throw this in an offset, you run it 225, it'll take you about 20 hours on a full yeah. size. And, and what temperature did you what temperature did you run the uh, uh, EX6 in? Uh, the smoke fire, I like at 275. And uh, when I get to the part where I elevate the grid, I explain to you the thought process. A lot of folks don't realize that a pit cooks differently at different distances from the fire pot. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's why I always tell people, don't cook like an automaton and don't cook like a robot. You, you got to be a pit whisperer, meaning <laughs> that you have to be one with your pit. Know the idiosyncrasies of your pit. Just like if you own a British sports car, and when you turn on the lights, the wipers stop working. You, you got to know the idiosyncrasies of your pit. The, the smoke fire is a great pit. I've been cooking on it for a lot because I really like the flavor. I even bought a second one. But the smoke fire tends to run hot on the right-hand side. Mm -hmm. Not a big deal. All pits you know, have hot zones. The idea is to know about it and how to compensate. So you see me later on sticking a metal aluminum tray underneath so that I don't overcook the tender, fragile parts. And uh, it's all about, you know, cooking and knowing how to get the best results from whatever equipment you have. I hey, just Gary, happen let me ask you this on the um, on the uh, smoke fire. I, that's the first pellet smoker I ever ever owned or even ever used. And uh, am I would I be wrong in uh, making the assumption that that fan acts as a, a convection fan as well as a an oxygenator, for lack of a better word, to ignite the yeah, pits. The, the fan is a convection fan. So if you have a convection oven and you bake cookies, right, you know that when you bake cookies in the oven, with a convection oven, they always tell you a lot less time is needed. So the advantage of having a pellet cooker is your draft, which is the airflow or the convective airflow over your meat, is accelerated by the fan. That's why pellet cookers can create such good results because it accelerates the process. You can cook a set of ribs on a, uh, a pellet cooker in literally about three quarters the time on a conventional pit because of convective airflow. So that's bad, good and bad. And, and your viewers need to know that everything I say on your show is a three-hour argument and a Jerry Springer fist fight. Oh, yeah. Because that, that's kind of how barbecue is. Yeah, Whatever absolutely. I say, somebody's going to say, Harry, you're wrong. And I say, you know, God bless you. Go stick the rib in your ear because that's what I do and it works for me. Do what works for you. Did have you? We're going to get back to that pig in just a minute. But I want to ask you this: um, when I do briskets on that on the ex on the ex six or the or my I've got two. I've got both of them too. Or the ex four. Um, I, I'm I'm at six and a half hours start to finish, and it and it's and it's really really good. Am I? Are you in that same? Because I cook at two eighty five. 
Uh, yeah, I, I crushed in about three and a half hours and I throw it in the oven. That's why I like the smoke fire because uh, you know me, as I get older, I'm getting lazier and lazier. So yeah. if I can get the same result that I can get firing up my Weber Smoky Mountain and I can do it with a one button convenience, mm -hmm. I'll, I'll pick the one button convenience any day. So um, getting on, on the on the smoke fire, um, are you are you impressed with it? Are you, is it everything you thought it was going to be? Uh, yeah, it, it, as everything else, it's not perfect. It, it's got a few rough edges. Uh, and uh, like I said, there is no perfect smoker. It's not yet being invented. Every smoker has pros and cons. You just have to pick the smoker that suits your temperament and your cooking style. Some people like the ritual of every 40 minutes, you know, sticking a log in their offset. Mm -hmm. Some people like to be able to manage the cook from their cell phone while walking on the beach. You know, there's are you that guy? Harry, are you that guy? Are you that guy with it's got to have phone connectivity to your smoker? To that, uh, I cook with no tools. Essentially, I have an on-off switch. I didn't even fire up the Wi-Fi on the smoke fire. I didn't even bother to configure it. All I did was I turn it on, download the firmware, and I cook it with one button on, one button off. That's my style. Oh, okay, that's good because I, I do the same way. I've just got no interest in in the phone. And, yeah, uh, some people expect you have the recipes on the phone. They want to be able to stick the probe in the meat. They want the phone to turn off the smoke fire, put it on hold, and then have dinner <laughs> ready when they come home. That's wonderful. <laughs> if you like that, I, I didn't spend a lot of time investigating that aspect of the cook. <laughs> put the smoker on hold. All right, you're getting ready to get into the. Um, you're getting ready to put the uh, pig in the uh, smoke fire. Now, now explain when we get over there to it. Explain what. Um, you had to do to the uh, racks in the smoke fire to make this uh, pig fit. And why, why would you cook it with the head on? Would you say, why, why did you decide to leave the head on, not take the head off and get a bigger pig? Well, uh, you know, in, in Asian culture, uh, serving an intact animal is part of okay. uh, showing respect for the animal. Okay. So when we eat a fish, we, we serve the fish whole with the head and the tail, eyeballs and all. Uh, so I, I decided that, you know, this is a gorgeous pig and it died for our eating pleasure. The least I could do is show it respect by cooking it whole so that people could see what animal it was. And besides, you know, I don't know if you ever had hog, hog jowl. Hog jowl is one of my favorite parts of the hog to eat. I haven't had it, but I hear, I hear it's good. People make tacos out of it, I think. Uh -huh. Yeah, jowl tacos. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, the, the pig brain is also an excellent eating portion. Yeah. A lot of people won't touch it, but, you know, for me, is who from snout to tail is all fair game. Yeah, I serve that to the neighbors. Okay, here's the, um, let's see, you're getting ready to put the pig on the... Tell yeah, me so here's the important tip. Uh, so when you want to get that brown, beautiful competition skin look, uh, that's the back belt trick I just kind of glossed over. Mm -hmm. So people don't realize that, that in my videos, right, every second of the video is some black belt trick I'm showing you. Sometimes I may not have the time to point it out, but as it's happening, uh, you know, there are certain, there's a reason. Everything I do, there's a reason. I don't do, because I'm a lazy cook. I, 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 when I do something, there is a reason why I do it. Okay. So, so getting the oil on the skin is a black belt tip on how to get that wonderful color. There's a competition great hog at the end. Looks like a copper so, penny. Yeah, you say, yeah, I did cook it like a copper Yeah. Um, let's see, let's go forward here. Uh, I don't want to do that, I don't want to do that. On this, all right, how did you... Um, Explain how you had to set up the EX6 because you don't spend a whole lot of time on it. 
Yeah, the EX6 was set up uh, primarily with two purposes. Number one, to compensate for the heat distribution. Mm -hmm. And number two, to create a mechanism to get the hog in. And more importantly, after the hog is cooked and it is falling apart, how are you going get to get the hog out of the pit without damaging the finish and the look of the hog? Okay, but so you, lowered, yeah, a, a you had to lower that. You had to lower that um, shelf, didn't you? Uh, I took the top shelf and mm -hmm. I propped it on uh, five pieces of wood. Okay. Primarily because I wanted a tray, like a stretcher, mm -hmm. like an ambulance stretcher, yeah. be able to carry the hog in and carry the hog out. Obviously, you see my son helping me because I'm not going to be able to handle a 50-pound hog by myself because it's hot and it, it's, uh, you know, heavy. Yeah. And so then you've got it in there. And is that, um, what's that in foil underneath it? Is that wood? I put a uh, cookie sheet and I put the wrapping foil so that it's easier to clean. Okay. And the cookie sheet uh, essentially is my heat deflector because you notice it's right under the rib. So a rib on a young hog is not tough at all. Mm -hmm. Like a normal 180 pound hog, this is only a one third the size. So the tenderloin and the ribs will overcook if you don't protect it. The hands can take a beating, the shoulders can take a beating. But the center area of the hog is something you really want to protect. Yeah, so and that's what that that uh, tray wrapped in foil does. That's, uh -huh. Yeah, so that's it's a, a good, matter of just that's a good tip right there. Yeah, to kind of act as a heat deflector. You don't want the middle part to get more heat. When you're cooking a hog, you want the shoulder to get heat. You want the hams to get heat. But the middle part where the ribs are, you really want to kind of keep the heat down to a lower temperature. Now look at that thing starting to get some color. Uh, uh, explain why you put the foil over some of the places. Some of the foil, the foil is needed because uh, the ears will burn and uh, the uh, you know the tips will burn. So a lot of times when you see it reach the right color, just you know put a little bit of piece of foil on it so that by the time you're done, the ears are not kind of burnt. And uh, this is just more for appearance. It, I mean, most people won't eat the the ears anyway, but this is a good tip on anything you do. If you cook chicken wings, uh, you cook a whole chicken. And you notice that the wingtips are getting burned. Just wrap it up in foil. It'll yeah. be fine. Now look at the color on that pig. That that is there's your there's your copper penny color uh, yeah. glistening. I mean, you can see the light reflecting off of it. You go, what is that uh, kale? You know, kale you got surrounded uh, there. Uh, people ask me a question that is the skin crispy. I would tell you the answer is no. I cook this hog like low and slow, sort of southern style. This is not a uh, crispy skin uh, skin pig. Uh, for that, I, I use something called a lacacha china, which is a box. Mm -hmm. So if I am cooking it for crispy skin, uh, where you can eat the whole hog, and you, it's a smaller pig, like a suckling pig, around 35, 40 pounds, mm -hmm. I will use a lacacha china to achieve that result. This pig is cooked solely for the meat, not for chicharrones or crispy skin. So that's a question that I got a lot from my viewers. The skin is not crispy. The skin is uh, kind of uh, chewy. So... If you want crispy skin, I have a video, I have a blog on my website, cyberdaddybbq.com. If you type in La Cacha China, you will see how I do it uh, to get a crispy skin. I, I may do that episode with La Cacha China in the future if people want to see how you cook a suckling pig so that the entire pig can be chopped up and eaten and then the skin is nice and crispy. Now that when you that one, when you pulled it off the, the smoker and you, you put it, you put it, um, uh, tummy down uh mm -hmm. to show the back when yeah. you when you went into that pig to serve it did you flip it back over or did you go through the skin and get to the okay. meat 
that yeah. way. So the way this is done is that when we do catering or we do parties or we do weddings, right? You you serve the pig kind of this way for presentation style. Mm -hmm. And what you do is you face the beautiful side towards the audience and mm -hmm. you stand behind on the side that doesn't look so good. And you essentially, you cut the skin, you lift the skin up and then you start to shred the meat from the Okay, water. okay. That's how it's done in professionally in, in the catering. For home use, you just tell your family, go for it. Yeah, dig and in. And pig will disappear like eating like piranhas. What kind of um? I was I was interested in the temperatures of the different uh, pieces of meat. I'm a on 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 pork butt. I'm I'm a I'm a two ten guy, all the way. Briskets. I'm a two ten guy. What kind of temperatures did you do on the uh, on the pig? For a small pig, the temperature is different than a full fully grown hog. So when you when you're dealing with a fully grown hog, uh, the temperatures tend to be higher. Because this is a young pig, you find that the pig will be tender at lower temperatures. Mm -hmm. So depending on the muscle on the small 50-pound hog, the temperature range from approximately about 170 all the way to about 190. Wow. And the way I do it is I do not use a thermometer. I go 95% by feel. So I always tell people, take uh, put blue tape on your thermometer and you will be a more successful Barbecue pit master. So you're using the thermometer as a probe, in, in yeah. You use a bamboo yeah. skewer. I always tell my students use a bamboo skewer and have a jar of peanut butter with one bamboo skewer in it. Mm -hmm. Have another bamboo skewer in your meat. When the probe feel of the skewer in the cold peanut butter matches that of the meat, you're done. That um, that that's great. I've never heard that advice, but that's that's fantastic because that's exactly the way it should feel. Is, uh, yeah, and, yeah, and I tell my students that's why a lot of the teams in California, when you go to their booth during a contest, you might see a jar of peanut butter, and you ask them what it's for, they'll tell you it's for the bagels. But they're all my <laughs> students. For the bagels. Now, look how much how much meat did you get off that that little? Place? <laughs> that's a lot of meat. Yeah. And I I, I want to guess maybe twenty five to thirty boxes. These are twenty eight ounce boxes, so these are pretty hefty boxes. So a lot of uh, you know the firemen, uh, firefighters were happy. I guess you know they like pork. I they got a lot of pork from me. Mm -hmm. So you gave these to uh, who'd you give that all that food uh, to? I have a, we have three fire uh, fire stations. Uh, I have two sheriff stations here. So uh, these guys are my friends. So you know I, I really feel that America hasn't shown first responders the the level of love we should mm -hmm. given all their hard work during this pandemic. I mean these guys and gals are the people who put their life on the line for us. And, oh, I know. Uh, there's no way I, I can eat all that meat anyway. So you know I always believe in spreading out the love. Did you um, did you put any sauce or anything like that with it, or do you or do you just serve it? Um? Uh, I, I sauce it a little bit. I also apply a little bit of salt, uh, a little bit of pepper. Uh, as you can probably tell, when you have a hog, right? There's some parts of it that you have to kind of balance the flavors. Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes in the deep in the ham, uh, it's not that salty, even though I put an injection in there. So for me, I, I'm pretty fussy about final seasonings. That comes from my competition background mm -hmm. because we always say, right, it's the last 10 seconds in a contest before you close the lid yep. on the box that matter. The last that thing you everything put. Everything has to be absolutely, absolutely perfect, you know, to score a 999. You know, that kind of a habit is something that I even use when I'm cooking for myself. The last thing you put on that meat is the first thing the judge tastes. Yes, absolutely. So that, um, so there's a whole hog. When you were spritzing, what um, what do you spritz with? I spritz with water. I just use water. Uh, as you can see, less is more. Mm -hmm. See that on the shirt? Less is more. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's a, that's a good saying. 
I've got I've got my tennis. I've got my University of Tennessee shirt. I have line of t-shirts on my uh, YouTube channel that I, I have all these stupid sayings that Harry, you call it Harry-isms. Harry-isms. Right? I tell my more. students, you know, always when you cook less is more, you want to showcase the meat. You don't really want to do a lot if you don't have to. Now, in competition, obviously, that is not always true. In competition, there's a hundred teams out there. You got to be able to separate yourself from the pack. Right. All right. right. Um, what's next for Harry Sue? The the YouTube uh, the YouTube channel is is rocking. You know what 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 could what could you possibly do do next? I, I want to continue traveling once this thing is over. I had so many events that were canceled. I was looking forward to Memphis in May. I had a chance to do Houston lifestyle. I had expos I was going to do. I was going to go Weber and teach a master class. Mm -hmm. uh, I have trips coming up. You know everything is been put on hold. So I, I I just feel for you know all the folks out there in America who are kind of working through these difficult times. Uh, you know, th there is no way around this. We have a crisis upon us with 60,000 plus people, you know, gone. Uh, it, it's actually unimaginable what is happening to America. So everybody, you know, please be safe, you know, uh, stay alive, very important, stay alive and, and, and cook barbecue the, the best you can. Now, so, in your job as, a, as an IT specialist, have you been have if you had to work from home or do you go do you go to the office? Yeah, I've been putting twelve hour days. Uh, I as you can imagine, I've been on the phone every day trying to buy laptops. So I feel like I'm the guy buying respirators or something or buying toilet paper mm -hmm. on the phone all day trying to buy laptops uh, around the country from whomever I can buy them from. Uh, my team and I are building these machines and then uh, allowing the people to to work at home. You may not be aware, but I work for a water utility. Mm -hmm. So uh, my service area is 25 million people, uh, 300 cities. That that is equivalent to one in 16 Americans. Depends on what my agency does for water. So it's a high stakes game. Uh, I I build all the infrastructure. So one of the biggest challenges we have is that uh, we were caught off guard with the number of laptops that we needed. So all the people who work in the office, they can't come into the office, they have to work from home. So I've been on a mission to buy and source and build as many laptops I can lay my hands on across the country and pushing it out to all the employees so they can all work from home. So Harry, are you in charge of like getting water to the cities? Because I don't know, I've never been to California, I don't know a lot about it, but I do know that water is a, a, and a something that here in here in um chattanooga tennessee where the tennessee river flows 24 hours a day 365 days a year giving us plenty of water um it's not that way in los angeles is it uh we actually live in a desert so if you imagine a place called morocco mm -hmm. right you would imagine it's pretty dry uh los angeles is actually drier than that so people don't realize that this uh, metropolis called Los Angeles and for that matter, Las Vegas, Phoenix and all sprang from the desert. And the only reason that we can do that is because of the engineering of humanity. We know how to engineer all the different uh, irrigation aqueducts and all the infrastructure needed to bring water to make a desert bloom into things like Hollywood, things like Orange County, things like Los Angeles. So uh, the system that brings in the water is really complicated and uh, it is necessary to sustain a population of about 20 million people, 300 cities. So my job is to make sure that when they turn on the faucet, the water is there. And that is done through computers and we have a lot of computers that enable that to happen. Do all those people have your home number? <laughs> I wish. <laughs> I, I'm the guy who sits in the back room, you don't know who I am. 
I'm like a trash collector. If I do my job, <laughs> you do not know that your trash is picked up. So, and I like to keep it that way. Just stay low key. Just get the job done. Does the does the chairman drag you into the board meetings when it doesn't work? He points to you. Let's go. It's no, that guy. guy it's that guy in the cowboy hat. Money, like Terry. You want another ten million dollars? Get out of here. <laughs> so um, I saw something and I brought it. I can't. I wrote it down even, and I can't believe I left it downstairs. Uh, a Weber Masterclass series on YouTube. Is that going on now? There was supposed to be a class uh, thing last weekend, and I yeah. was supposed to be one of the 10 instructors. They had they have brought a bunch of really good instructors, like Tuffy and so on. I'm just privileged to be considered in that circle of uh, instructors. Mm -hmm. uh, we were going to do a class and a charity event in uh, Chicago uh, to benefit charity and also to do a class. Unfortunately, we were all so disappointed that the class was canceled. So they decided, why don't we all try to do a virtual class? We will try to cook some of the dishes that we wanted to do for the class. So I, I decided I'll, I'll do my seared ahi, which has been my, uh, my signature dish for the past 30 years. And I posted a video of a virtual class. Mm -hmm. I believe on Saturday, uh, whoever wants to do like an Instagram uh, podcast or, or live feed. So I, I'm going to try to do that, cook something for fun. We all are at home, so we just really need to adapt and adjust our lives to continue to enjoy life and cooking barbecue and having uh, what do you call a, a community and sharing of, of this uh, barbecue spirit. Then I think that in times of stress, at least for me, uh, cooking helps me relieve stress. And I know for folks who watch my channel, they say, Harry, we're so happy that you're posting videos every single day mm -hmm. because uh, we find your videos a great way to kind of not think about all the problems that the world has. Oh, it's great. Oh. Every time uh, your your um, notices drop off of my emails, Malcolm's notices, I almost stop what I'm doing and go right to them to watch. It, it take, Like you say, it takes me away for just, you know, 10 to 15 minutes out of the day, it just it, it takes me away from all the stress and anxiety of running a small business during these times to something I enjoy. If I want to find out about what Harry Sue is doing next, where can I go to find out those things? Uh, I post uh, primarily on several platforms on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. So those are the the five platforms that I have time to post. There are many other platforms you can post content on, but I, I, I pick those five platforms for now. Mm -hmm. I try to put out videos every day or every other day, at least during this quarantine period. So after this shoot is over, I'm going to go out and cook something. I'm going to do a uh, quick recipe on how to cook competition IBCA half chicken. A lot of people complain, hey, Harry, your recipes are way too complicated. For competition, do you have a simple comp recipe that only has three ingredients well you're in luck because i'm going to show you my uh easy lazy man ibca competition chicken recipe next well at least their chicken looks like chicken the stuff that we do in kcbs it it looks like a i don't know what it is but it doesn't look like chicken that's it's for sure sculptured meat. <laughs> sculptured meat well do me a favor in that next video mention the owl's nest barbecue show and what a great time you had uh, joining us and all the, my good friends here in Tennessee. And I uh, just can't tell you how uh, thrilled we were to get to see you live here on the show. And uh, as always, you're you're super interesting and uh, you're just a great ambassador for Barbecue Harry. And I, and I can't thank you enough for joining us. And I wish you nothing but luck. And I know just know that you have at least one fan here in Ottawa, Tennessee. And I guarantee you there's more than me just sitting here watching for the next thing that Harry Sue is going to do. 
Harry, thank you so much. We appreciate Always you. my pleasure, Steve. And uh, like I told you, right, when this pandemic is over, don't be surprised if I show up in your store and uh, we can have you fire up the pit and uh, we'll uh, throw something on your smokers and have fun. Well, I tell you what, let me know because I got my buddy Jeff Maxwell is watching and running the chat room and he'll want to be there too. Thank you so right, much, Steve. Harry. It will, uh, we'll throw on an impromptu. To Harry Sue, everybody from Diamond Bar, California. What a great guest. What a great guy. Thanks for watching, everyone. Thanks for listening. We went over a little bit, but that's okay. Uh, I want to thank Harry, Harry Sue for appearing on the show with us today. I hope you enjoyed that uh, whole hog talk on the uh, Weber Smoke Fire EX6. I thought it was a, uh, just a, the, the craziest idea I ever saw. And then when he, when he finished it, that the, the, the product looked so fantastic. And all the meat that he got off that one small pig and, uh, and then giving it to the firemen in the first responders in his neighborhood, I thought was a class act. Uh, remember when you need tires for your car, think no other tire except Michelin. Don't trust your safety with just any tire. Ride on Michelin tires. And don't forget when it comes to barbecue flavor, Butcher Barbecue has you covered with flavors from grilling addiction to honey rub. There's only one thing you need to do, folks. Trust your butcher. Jeffrey Maxwell, thank you for hosting the chat. And Wes Phillips from Backyard Smokers Barbecue, thank you for being our broadcast uh, partner and sponsor on Facebook. And until next Thursday night, folks, I wish you good night and good luck. <laughs>